You're listening to the Supply Chain Podcast. This week, we're joined by Sarah Barnes Humphrey, CEO of Ships, as well as founder and host of Let's Talk Supply Chain Podcast. We discuss the future of supply chain, diversity in the industry, and the importance of strategic partnerships. I guess we should jump straight into it, Sarah. I mean, it's really great for your time. I know that everything's crazy at the moment. Um, would you mind just giving us a brief introduction on you know, who you are, your background, and, and the companies you're working in at the moment? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So Sarah Barnes Humphrey, um, I live just outside of Toronto in Canada, and I am the CEO founder of uh, Ships, or co-founder of Ships, and I am the CEO and uh, host and founder of Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast, the SC Supply Chain TV on YouTube, and uh, our blog series as well. So my background, I have been in logistics and supply chain for over two decades, Um, It's been a long time and I say that supply chain is in my blood because uh, my dad actually had a private 3PL just in Mississauga just outside of Toronto and so I can't remember a time where he didn't talk about logistics and supply chain at the dinner table. Yeah, so I, I feel like it's totally in my blood. It's definitely something that I am super, super passionate about. And um, yeah, so I literally started as reception at my dad's company and worked my way up. I actually did all of my designation and schooling while I worked um, over 10 years where I got my diplomas in international trade, um, got certifications in freight forwarding, that kind of thing. And I was really able to get the hands-on experience while at the same time getting those diplomas in different areas of supply chain that I found interesting, right? So I was immersed in logistics and freight forwarding and that kind of thing. But then there was a whole world out there as far as supply chain and supply chain management that I didn't really get to do on a day-to-day basis and that I was interested in. And so Mm -hmm. I was able to figure out what that was and take different courses to to really understand where where I wanted to be and and, and what I wanted to know about. Yeah. So for the first um, eight years, maybe 10 years, I was in operations. So trucking, air freight, ocean freight, did a little bit of customs, a little bit of warehousing, um, and really got to understand international logistics from a very intimate level, I guess. You know, I was handing, I was, some days I was working 12 hour days, you know, just shuffling paperwork because that's all it was. And I can tell you that I was even writing checks on a typewriter. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like that's a little embarrassing to say, but I learned very quickly how to use a typewriter because there, there was no going back if you made a mistake. You had to literally rip up the check and start a new one. (laughs) And nobody liked that because it cost money. Um, After that, I went into sales. Um, I found that I had a natural knack with people and um, really understood the business because I was in operations for so long. And right before I did that or or right at the beginning of my journey in sales, I took um, courses with FIT, the Forum for International Trade Training. And the reason why I did that was because I wanted to understand um, the international landscape from my customer's perspective. Yeah. So I really immersed myself into sales, really understanding it, not only from our perspective, but from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. And so I think it was around 2015, I ended up taking a bigger role on the marketing side. We were getting to a place where marketing was taking more of a role in logistics, where traditionally they didn't look at logi- uh, marketing 
you know, they looked at it as a cost center, not something that yeah. we really needed. Um, and so I was able to step into a customer experience role, which was amazing. I loved it. And then I took over as director of sales and marketing. And when I did that, I realized how few places there were outside of the traditional that we could get our messaging and brand out there. Mm. And so at the time I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I thought, well, if Lewis Howes can do a podcast, I mean, why can't I? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so the first episode was not very good, not because of our guest. Our guest was amazing. And Andrea, she was a doll because she stayed with us. She stuck with us on that first episode. I think you can find it on YouTube. Um, but my team and I sort of immersed ourselves in it. Um, I had a male co-host and just for fun, we called it two babes talk supply chain because we were, I think we were a little bit before our time. This one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were a little bit before our time, but we wanted to like shake things up a little bit and sort of see what, how the market would, would take to that. Um, and it was fun. And, and, uh, eventually I started, I started making revenue on the podcast. So I actually moved it into my own business. And at the same time I was building my, starting to build my tech platform. Mm -hmm. uh, it took us a little while to get going. We had a few bumps along the way, um, but we were definitely building it at the same time. And then unfortunately in the fall of 2017, we closed the doors. And after 20 years and a career with one company, I was out. The worst day of my life, I can tell you that much. Worst, worst, worst day. And I had all these guests lined up, but I lost my team. And so I had to figure out, I had to figure out what to do. I, I, I didn't know how to do, I didn't know how to design a website. I didn't know how to do graphics. Mm. You know, I didn't, I didn't even know how I was going to record my next episode. Yeah. Right. Crazy. And I think I had like a week to do it or something, maybe two weeks. And I tried Skype for the first one. And, you know, I love Skype. Kudos to them. <laughs> but it really did not work out for my first episode on my own. And the, the audio was horrible. But it's one of my best listened to episodes, which is kind of funny. Oh, cool. um, and then in January 2018, I started my Woman in Supply Chain series. Because mm -hmm. I thought, and it wasn't just because of gender. It wasn't just, you know, a feminism thing. It was really, I didn't have any, a lot of role models while I was going through my career that mm -hmm. I could listen to their journey and learn from, be inspired by, be motivated by. And that was really, you know, what inspired me to start that series is because I just wanted to listen to their stories. Yeah. No one journey is the same. I wanted to know what success looked like for them. I wanted to know what their perspective was or is on supply chain. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know what they thought about diversity and inclusion and supply chain. And so yeah. I started the episode or I started the series, but by April, I quickly realized that my list of women was being <laughs> cut short because they didn't like the name. Oh, and no. I didn't have a co-host anymore. <laughs> so I was, I came to this pivotal moment where I was like, okay, well, I need to rebrand this thing, but is it like, is it going to be to my detriment or is it going to be yeah. successful for me? It's a leap, isn't it? When you look at rebranding, it's a leap of faith yes. almost. Yes. And so I literally did it in a week. 
which I don't suggest anybody to do. I mean, anybody in marketing is gonna, <laughs> like just cringe right now. Like, are you crazy? Like, what are you doing? And How I not didn't, to rebrand. <laughs> I'm joking. And I, yeah. And I didn't even like, I didn't even pause. I didn't even hesitate. I actually, what did I do? I reached out to a, a podcaster. I think it was a podcaster on LinkedIn. And he had done the same thing. And I reached out to him and I said, this is where I'm at. I don't know what to do. What do you think I should do? Mm-hmm. And he gave me, you know, a couple of things to consider. I considered them. And within five minutes, I was, it was already go time. Like, let's just do this. I need rebranding. I need a new logo. This is what it's going to be called. And that's just how it evolved. Um, and, you know, it's probably the best thing that I've ever done. Yeah. Because in the last two years, I mean, we've grown exponentially. I've been able to um, expand on the series, right? So now we're featuring 24 women a year. Um, I'm actually working on a secret project around diversity and inclusion that I'm excited about. Um, we've moved into YouTube. We've created a platform that is about the supply chain community. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have thought leaders writing their own blogs. We've got thought leaders doing their own videos. Um, I've had thought leaders hosting my podcast um, because realistically, that's that's what it's all about. And yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we are now. I know that was a very very long oh, story. Perfect. I don't know if I had that much time, but <laughs> yeah, no, that's perfect. And it's interesting to me, Sarah, you say that you know supply chains in your blood because you know, I think it should be more of something that we want to go into or we're told about as we're growing up. And, you know, lucky for you that you were. But for me, I I never even knew what supply chain was or procurement was when I was in school or anything like that. And I think it should really be more of a forefront of, you know, what you can do in business and, and, you know, an actual career path. So it's good to hear that you had that. And I hope that that's kind of a bit more normal moving forwards. Um, And it also gives you a really nice, strong foothold in the supply chain industry and trends you know you've seen it for quite some time and I think at the moment and just to kind of mirror what we mentioned um, before we started recording you know there's a huge amount of change that's about to happen in the supply chain space for sure I mean some of the changes are things that have been around for some time that are just going to be accelerated along that path now and it kind of ties into you know strategic planning um diversity within supply chain not just from a gender perspective but you know geographically and everything like that mm-hmm. globalization localization you know it's been around for some time but it's so crucial at the moment um i mean in terms of your your kind of reflections on on how that needs to change and what you would like to see moving forward sarah would you mind giving us a brief overview of that yeah i think that's a it's a really loaded question um and i'm gonna try to answer it as well as i can because there's a couple of different moving parts there right i think you know when we talk about diversity and inclusion i think we've got to get away from the gender versus gender conversation that we're seeing too much of Mm -hmm. because it's not gender versus gender and what we're seeing in the last week you know it's everyone equal and you know, that's, that's what I would like to see moving forward. And, and there's a reason why it's called diversity and inclusion. Yeah. I think the inclusion is also a huge part of it because it's not just about everything that falls under that diversity piece. It's about including people that you may or may not agree with. Yep. Right. Like it's, it's having an event, having a couple of people that may, may not see eye to eye as a part of that event, but including everybody. Yeah. No matter what that looks like. 
Um, and so I think, you know, on that front, there's a lot of fundamental issues um, from judgment to bias to threat to, you know, there's some really, really big conversations that I think we need to be authentic about and truthful about and we need to have mm. before we can move that needle any further than it's actually going to go. Because I don't think that we can actually get as far as we would like to go without stepping back and getting back to yeah. the fundamentals. So that is what I'd like to see on the diversity side. And I hope to be a driving force of that, not only through the Woman in Supply Chain series, but some of the other stuff that we've got planned for diversity and inclusion. As far as supply chain, um, I think that as far as much as we talk about how um, how far we've come, which we have, I mean, think about it. Supply chain media wasn't even a thing like three weeks, yeah. three years ago when I jumped into it. <laughs> I didn't even call it that at the time, but now really there's supply chain media, right? There's, and there's all sorts of different content fronts. Um, I think that there's so much amazing technology that's coming out. Um, but I think the mindset, the, the traditional mindset of being siloed needs to change. We need to have a more, I always say collaboration is the future of business. So we need to have a more collaborative mindset Mm -hmm. and come together because there's too many siloed aspects and we just can't get our heads around it. Mm -hmm. no, you I know agree. what I mean? There's just too yeah. much coming at us. Definitely. And I think to be open-minded to these kind of opportunities as well, instead of stuck in that kind of bricks and mortar way of working, you know, you, you tend to spot a mile off the thought leaders from the people that are quite close-minded. And I think that it just shows leaps and bounds that these people, you know, excel as, as best they do. Um, so yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I think it'll be really interesting over the next um, you know year or so to really see how this specifically will affect how quickly we go down that path because I think it's it's going to be really key moving forwards. Well, yeah, and and on the technology front, front, I think there's a lot of us that are still working in manual processes, and I think for me, I think there's been some, there is some really great technology out there. I think that mm. some of them have pushed us to a point that we don't feel comfortable, like pushed us too far forward. And I think we need to bring it back. I think we need to take things a little bit simpler mm. um, and take what they're doing right now and just automate those processes just yeah. to make their lives easier. We, it's not about us as technology providers to have them conform to what we want them to conform to. <laughs> right? It's really yeah. about listening to the customer and figuring out where they are and what they need. And it could just be a step for now and not a big leap. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. And I think when it comes to technology consultancy moving forwards as well, there'll be a, a much greater need for that outside input just to guide and really tailor depending on the business you're working for, because you're right, there's no one size that fits all. And it's about making their life easier, making them more efficient. And, you know, I think a lot of the larger companies they've been on that journey for a while um but there were unfortunately some that were kind of caught with the pants down if you will and they hadn't mm -hmm. embraced that technical change and actually when overnight you know in a very unprecedented situation they had to pivot to working remotely and making sure that everything still worked you know i think that will be the biggest wake-up call for them moving forwards and you know all of these kind of technologies or softwares that were kind of uh, an added extra rather than an absolute necessity 
that mindset will change moving forwards. Yeah. Well, and we've seen an uptick, right? We've seen an uptick Mm. of uh, companies reaching out to technology innovation in in supply chain right now, which is great. I mean, that's a, that's a huge deal. But then, you know, I hear of companies that still don't give laptops to their employees. It's crazy, isn't it? It's great. I know companies that do that. It's, It's madness. And they're, so they're not able to work remotely. They have to go in the office and they've had to go into the office the whole time, Mm -hmm. but they don't look like they're going to change. And so it'll be interesting to see Mm -hmm. what happens with those companies, right? Because we talk about them being caught with their pants down. Mm -hmm. Some, some do, some did, and some strategically just decided to ignore it. I, I don't know. I mean, we really don't know what that's going to look like coming out of this, right? It's kind of a guessing game at the moment, but yeah, I think, right. I think, I think that at some <laughs> point they, they've got to take a look at, you know, figuring out whatever those security concerns are. I know. And that will have a huge impact on supply chain as well. Not just in the obvious sense, you know, the first thing that springs to mind is, you know, there's going to be more need for tech, but when you look further into it, it will be things like how to safeguard your employees. Um, is it through PPE, a more rotational way of working? Actually, if these companies figure out that they could save a little bit of money by shaving down their real estate presence, um, is it realistic that they're going to be tied into one geographic location? That also bleeds into talent acquisition. You know, Why are you going to pay to relocate someone if you're not geographically tied? You, there's so many things that the remote working could throw in, throw in the mix. Yeah. And there's so many things that leaders right now have to consider, Mm. right? In their organizations, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of things to think about. There's a lot of change. um, And there's a lot of discussion on which way they need to go. I mean, you bring up a good point with the real estate. So let's take, let's take high rises, for example. So now you're going to have what, two or four people in an elevator. Yeah. So you drive, let's say downtown, because most downtowns have, have high rises, right? So you live in the suburbs, you drive an hour downtown, then what? You're going to have to wait in a lineup to get into the elevator, <laughs> to get to your floor, to get to your office, yeah. to work what? Two hours, four hours, and then you're going to have to get in line to do it all over again. Because those four people in that elevator isn't going to stop at every floor or it might and then open up and then you see there's not enough room for you to step in. So the doors close and then it keeps going down and down and down. And then you've got to wait for it to come back up to get you. And hopefully there's room for you. (laughs) Then it's an hour drive back. (laughs) So let me ask you, how productive do you think those workers are going to be? It's madness. There's so many hidden things that you don't even consider until you actually walk through it, isn't there? Well, yeah. And so, you know, it's also the safety concerns, but it's also the, the, the um, issue of product, productivity. Mm. And what does that look like? I think there's going to be a hybrid version. I don't think that we're going to get rid of, you know, potential office space. I think office space could be reduced. We always mm. need warehouses. Warehouses, and those could increase because the amount of e-commerce um, e-commerce is in- increasing right now. So our, our footprint in warehousing could be increasing. Mm-hmm. Office spaces could be reducing because you can do a rotational shift and a hybrid version of people working from home and working in the office. Um, with the 
However, with the parameters around how far everything needs to be as far as desks and different things like that, you may not be able to reduce the space. Mm. So there's a ton, a ton of things to think about. And if you're going to do a hybrid version, who comes in which day, right? So then now you get into scheduling, which we've never (laughs) really had to do before. No, it's crazy. And then the other thing to think about is you talked about how, um, you know, we can work from anywhere. Fair point. Well, Facebook just came out and said, well, if you're going to move to a different state that has um, a reduced salary compared to where we are at head office, we're going to pay you based on where you live. Yeah, the rate of living. And then, and then you've got, well, if the company thinks that they're okay with remote workers, then what happens? Do they go locally for talent? Or do they go globally for talent? And now the talent pool just went from 200 resumes pre-COVID to 500 resumes during and post-COVID to mm. even, what, three times more? Five yeah. times more? Because yeah. Yeah, now you're opening up the talent pool of who they can actually work with because they're used to working with people remotely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be so interesting to see. I mean, I think there'll be certain industries that will pioneer it and certain industries that will be a bit more tied into security concerns like financial industry, that kind of thing. And, you know, cybersecurity, especially when everyone's working remotely. I mean, I spoke to a um, supply chain director for a really large telecommunications company and she kind of laid it out to me in a way that I didn't think of, which was that, you know, you've gone from... 500 people working in one office through one security system to 500 people working remotely all through their home broadband, you know, the, the security implications on that are enormous. And again, yeah. it's just something else you don't think of. Yeah, I was doing a panel on cybersecurity uh, last week, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, the gentleman actually said, how many devices do you have connected to your internet just in your house? Oh, mine's about six, and I couldn't, seven. yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure. I couldn't really answer that. He said his was 50 or 70. Whoa, what was he doing? <laughs> well, I think his fridge was connected and like all these little things were connected. Maybe the door, okay. right? You've got door, well, alarm system, so. maybe. <laughs> there's, there's a lot that could add up to, to 50 or 70. But if you think about that, that's a lot of pressure to the system. Mm. And something else to consider when you think about security and having to secure your remote workers. Yeah, definitely. And I think security and safety is going to be at the forefront. You know, the first, the first concern from a business point of view, and I don't mean this to sound, you know, make them sound like they're heartless, but business is business. And it's, it's usually about, yes, about people because people make your business, but you know, the first and foremost concern now is health and safety, you know, reaching out to people, um, I don't know about, um, you know, any companies that you're working with at the moment, Sarah, but internally we've started doing like a well-being check with our employees, um, which mm-hmm. is much more than just to kind of catch up on what you should be doing work-wise. It's, you know, to make sure that everyone is is happy, any challenges, you know, anything that, that they can do to support us and, and vice versa. And I think that kind of mindset, that humanity moving forwards will be, will be a nice change and something that we'll keep. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a huge thing for leaders, Hmm. right? It's something additional that leaders are having to take on and they want to take on, 
Um, So I think we also need to be cognizant of the top leaders as well Mm -hmm. and what their well-being is. Yeah, right. It's not just from the top down. It's got to be from the bottom up and it's got to be, you know, something that we all think about and we all do. Because I've spoken to some leaders and and I've I've said to them, you know, I I said to one of them a, a few weeks ago, I said, how are you doing? And so they were talking about like what they've been through and the challenges that they've been working through and how they've been supporting their team. And I said, how are you being supported? How are you doing? And she was like, I think you're the first one that's asked me that. Oh, really? (laughs) I must be my CEO later. (laughs) Yes. You know what I mean? And so I think it's huge. I think it's really, really important. I do um, on social media, every Friday I do a buddy check. And every other Friday, I get somebody else to do the buddy check so that we're, you know, spreading the word and getting more people involved in the buddy check. And yeah. it's, it's more about saying, talking about how, what I've been through that week and how I'm feeling. And then I'm saying, how are you doing? And I'm tagging a bunch of people and saying, just checking up on you. How are you doing? Or what are your plans for the weekend? Um, and then they're tagging people. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's, it's just important for us. And even if you think it's like a little thing, I think it's important that we get consistent in that messaging of buddy check and and checking Mm -hmm. on each other and just making sure everybody's okay, because it's, and it's not just for right now, it's moving Mm -hmm. forward. I mean, things are going to change moving forward. We are all talking about that new normal. Um, And people deal with change differently. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the, biggest thing that we can do right now is just to support in any way that we can and just a how are you yeah goes a long way doesn't it yeah definitely and you never know what someone else is going through so I definitely agree with that I mean from from your kind of perspective Sarah when you when you know you, you have quite a large presence on on LinkedIn and you're quite well connected within the industry what would you like to see more of moving forwards or what do you think should change moving forwards post-COVID specifically? That's another loaded question. You are full of loaded questions (laughs) today. (laughs) Um, You know, I think, I just, I think that there's a lot of change that is going to happen. Um, Obviously. I mean, you know, for, I was just talking to somebody that's um, trying to get his staff back in a nutritionist office and there's testing and there's questionnaires And there's, you know, how do you figure out the waiting room situation, Mm -hmm. right? How do you, um, how do you do IVs? Because they do like nutrient IVs and stuff like that. How do you do all of that kind of stuff? So if you think about a business just like that, and then you think about the supply chains, Mm -hmm. right? So you think about warehousing. Well, you've got truckers going in and out. So what are you going to do there? Right. Some, I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago where they're going to put in a computer terminal where they can print out their own documents. So it's minimal touching Mm. and they can do everything from the vestibule that's set up there for the truckers. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, You know, what are, what are, what, what do leaders do first? What do they implement first? Yeah. Those next steps. I know Essentia's done a lot of work on you know, what you should do first. These are your first next steps, you know, before we get to the rest. Um, Cause I think mm-hmm. everyone was scrambling for a while, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And what do, what, what are conferences going to look like? 
for events like actual, you know, ProcureCon, for example, I was meant to be going to Singapore in July. Um, and I don't think that, I mean, I, great example, I spoke to the um, Chief Procurement Officer last night and he said that they do a, an event every year in Vegas and um, it usually costs them X amount of money and they did it all virtually because they had to this time around. And now they're thinking, why would we spend that much money when we can do it just as successfully? You know, mm -hmm. There'll always be that need for human interaction. You know, we're not robots, but, you know, realistically, why even spend that much money if you can do it virtually? Mm -hmm. But then are we going to lose that human element? So I, I think, yeah. again, when we talk about hybrid, um, hopefully we're going to get to a, a point where it's going to be a hybrid version. Yeah. And not just all virtual because we do need that human interaction. Yeah. Um, and I would hate to see that go away, especially in supply yeah. chains. I mean, supply chain is all relationship built, mm -hmm. right? It's yeah. all relationship. And I mean, this is great, right? You and I on Zoom um, connecting and some of the people that I have the best relationships with online never met in person. Yeah. So it can work and it can happen, but mm -hmm. I, 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 we can't lose touch either with the, the importance of the face-to-face, -face. but I do see a reduction, right? I see a reduction yeah. in business travel. I see mm -hmm. a reduction, um, you know, in potentially person-to-person -person and, and in-person conferences. Um, mm -hmm. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if I really answered your question there, but... <laughs> no, I don't think we know the answer at this point. Yeah, uh, so I don't think we do. Of, I think we can only speculate. And I'm, I'm with you. I hope that there's a hybrid because there's a pros to being remote working uh, and a, almost a convenience to it. But there's also that need for human interaction. Um, mm -hmm. And that's when you get to know people best as well. You know, whether you're working in um, supply chain or, or anything, you know, you have to have that, that relationship. So definitely agree with that. I mean, Moving forwards for, for ships, you know, what do you see being the, the next steps from your side? Well, I am full bore <laughs> um, getting my MVP out. We've got a lot of people waiting for this thing to happen. And so we are literally almost there. We, we've had to make a pivot in the last couple of weeks. And so we are, we are literally almost there. Oh. Um, and uh, then obviously uh, focusing on investment. Um, so I'm in a, I'm in a really good position as a, as a co-founder of a tech company because I've already built the marketing and the media side. Mm. So now it's really a focus on the tech development. I mean, the platform that we're going to be creating is going to be very robust, but it's going to, it's going to bring it back to the basics and it's going to bring all the players together. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's kind of something that the industry has wanted and needed for a long time. Um, and I'm excited to be able to be, you know, one of those people that can, can bring it to the industry. And so those are the two things that I'm focusing on right now, getting the customers on boarded, um, mm -hmm. moving forward with the tech, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot yeah. of things that we, that we need to put into place and focusing on investment, bringing mm -hmm. the investment in um, so that we can build out the platform that, you know, I think everybody deserves. Yeah, there's a big, there's a huge need for stuff like that. I mean, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong in any way, Sarah, but your um, technology is more based around kind of supplier um, interaction, how they tender, how they get their prices across and that, and that kind of thing. And I'm seeing so many small companies pop up doing not exactly what you're doing, but similar, a similar yeah. name of map suppliers and 
you know bring everyone into the same community and it seems to me that at some point you know people realized there was a real gap for that kind of technology and I'm guessing that that from from you was taken from your past when you worked with your father's company did you notice that there was a real gap for, for, for that kind of software yeah, I did. And we're approaching it a little bit differently. So we're focusing on mid-market shippers. Um, and then we're focusing on the carriers, or the freight forwarders, um, et cetera, uh, to bring them together. I mean, for a long time, there has not been trust and integrity between the two parties. And I look at them both equally. I mean, they're both major players in international logistics and transportation. There's certain things that one side is doing that they resent. And there's certain things that not, that's not happening on the other side that they resent. So how do we bring everybody together in a collaborative environment so that we can partner and make sure it's a win-win for everybody? And that's, that's what we've done moving forward. So the company, my company that owns you know, ships and it owns Let's Talk Supply Chain is called Victorious. Mm-hmm. And I did that, I named that probably about eight or 10 years ago. And I did that for a reason. Victory us. So everything that I do, um, the reason why I named it that is because everything I do is about collaboration. There's not, like, I I don't believe, I think there's enough out there for everybody, Mm -hmm. right? Sure, there's competition. I mean, sure. But can we not all come together and, you know, work together in different capacities to help move things forward in different ways? Sure. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're seeing that in COVID, Mm -hmm. right? We're seeing competitors come together Mm -hmm. collaborate to be able to help during a crisis and a situation. And so, you know, I think that, you know, the old mindset, hopefully the old mindset (laughs) of that and the new mindset of collaboration um, is really going to thrive. Like business is going to thrive in that kind of environment. I really think. Yeah. It kind of brings me on to my, my question really about strategic partnerships and just how important they are to you, not just from your kind of social media presence, but also from your tech company perspective, you know, how much you rely on those, those partnerships and, and really what they bring to the table for you. Huge, huge. I mean, at the end of the day, you, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? And by themselves, <laughs> right? People yeah. came together um, to be able to build that. Um, strategic partners are huge for me. Um, not only on the media and the marketing side, but also on the ship side. I think that there's a lot of really great technology out there that's already been built in certain aspects of supply chain. I'm not looking to jump in and compete with that. I'm looking at jumping in and saying, hey, I'm here, you're there. How do we bring this together so that supply chain professionals can benefit from it? Definitely. Yeah. Right. And that's the discussion I want to have. Yeah. No, definitely. I agree with that. And I think my, my final question to kind of wrap up, Sarah, would be more of a personal one. Um, you know, we briefly touched on your kind of reasons for starting your, your Women in Supply Chain um, some time ago, and it was le- less of a feminist movement and more of a, you know, you really wanted to kind of carve out some, some role models and people who were doing really well for themselves, females who were doing well for themselves. And my question to you would be, you know, so far in your experience of that and, and the ladies that you've worked with, who would be your kind of favorite person that you've had on as a, as a guest? Um, I don't want to put you in an awkward position, but is there anyone that you've, you've spoken to you thought, wow, you know, I really aspire to be and, and to do what you've done? Oh, 
all of them. I know <laughs> that's so, so politically correct. But it's, they all, everybody has a different story to tell. Yeah. And everybody has a different perspective. One that I will bring to the forefront is Nazuko Maeza, and she's out of South Africa. And having that mm -hmm. conversation with her where she was in an environment that was against her, right? Mm -hmm. Not only in, for various different reasons. Mm -hmm. And she stepped out and started her own freight forwarding company. And what she's done with that company and how she's turned it around and how she's she's now being perceived as a leader mm. in that industry in South Africa was just an amazing inspirational story. And I can tell you that I was just so happy that she agreed to be part of the series because she is a true inspiration. But I can honestly say each one of them brings, brings something different. And Every one of them that comes on the show, I actually ask them to write me a couple of sentences as to why it's so important for them to be featured in the, in the series. Mm -hmm. And we, we do feature those every Friday because I think it's important to even get away from just the story and talk mm -hmm. about why it's important to be a part of something like that and yeah. what it means to you personally to be able to tell your story. Mm -hmm. Because that's sometimes the things that we, we overlook or we kind of miss, right? Yeah. Why is it important to that one person? Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're, we're, we're capturing that. And I'm hoping to expand the conversation more into diversity and inclusion because we've got a long way to go in supply chain. Um, but the only way forward is to continue these discussions, have them authentically, openly, being honest with each other, leaving bias at the door, you know, leaving judgment at the door um, and, you know, hoping to be able to move that conversation forward. Yeah, perfect. Well, I can't think of a better note to end it on, really, Sarah. I think that summarizes <laughs> what we've been discussing perfectly. So again, thank you so much for your time. And I hope that we can come back to this in, you know, two, three months time when things have moved on and just really recap. Um, I'll kind of officially cut off then. Um, oh, I was going to say my... thank you. Thank you for having <laughs> oh. me. I really appreciate it. I definitely <laughs> want to come back. Awesome. Well, you know, honestly, Sarah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah. And it was nice to finally meet you. I mean, I know we were talking on LinkedIn and stuff, but it's always great to, you know, meet in person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye.